Hi, and welcome to Friends of Brother Adam. My name is Dennis, and I'll be your host for this evening. This evening, we're going to be talking about ECHO 3, or E3, Scheduled Production Season Activities. It is April-May time, so we're going to get to it here pretty quick. Uh, first thing we have to do is go through where you can find me. Currently, you can find me on odyssey.com, spelled O-D-Y-S-E-E.com. Uh, look up Friends of Brother Adam. Also, you can find me here on the Anchor app at anchor.fm by Spotify. Hopefully not very long, much longer. I'm definitely looking for a different home. Um, however, you can find me there. You can support us by watching Odyssey. Um, also on Odyssey, they have a library coin tip that function you can do. Um, when you sign up for Odyssey they give you a certain amount of library coin and by watching videos and stuff you can earn more library coin and, and they have some uh, um, challenges that you can do in order to get more library coin. Well you can also tip with that library coin and if you'd send a little bit of that my way I'd really appreciate it. Also in your QR code on the splash screen of the podcast you'll find um, You'll find uh, a, a little barcode-like thing in, in a square QR code. Uh, that is for Bitcoin, and you can send me a little bit of Bitcoin if you'd like. Also, you can send me a little uh, uh, appreciation through uh, email transfer. Uh, you can send it to fatbeehoneyranch <laughs> fatbee at gmail.com. Um, that's all small letters, and uh, yeah, you just saw me forget my own email address, so woohoo! It's a late evening, and I'm recording it late, so you get uh, half awake me. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're going to be talking about E3 schedule production seasonal activities. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about April-May tasks and mainly uh, the order they're performed in and some of the reasons why you do such things. Okay, so first thing we're supposed to do is um, we have, during the winter months, um, gone through and made whatever beehives that we're going to need for our uh, young bees coming out. That means you either ordered them from a bee warehouse where you be equipment warehouse where you go and you either pick up the unassembled items and bring them home and assemble them or you go and you pick up assembled items and bring them home but regardless when you get them home you're going to need to do something with them whether it's uh, soak them in wax and uh, waterproof them and weatherproof them or coat the outsides in linseed oil or paint the outsides with uh, whatever paint that you decide to pick up from the, the um, Miss Tint store. <laughs> um, and uh, the other thing is you can, um, you can finish them in, in any other way that you, you deem necessary. However, you have to remember that the inside of the hive, usually, unless it's wax, usually you don't want to treat the inside of the hive. So you can put, uh, you know, some of that really tough coating on the outside, kind of like a, an armor all or a, a, almost a rubber um, coating to it. Um, whatever you do, um, don't put 
any of that rubber coating on the rims and if you're doing like a hard eggshell coat that uh, that you put on there and sometimes they put on like little little sand bits and stuff in there and then put a coat of of paint over top of it and it makes it so that the outside is easier to grip <laughs> um, whatever you do do not put that particular treatment on the top and bottom of the hive bodies because when you're putting them together it's going to create space and you're going to allow air um, to get in and get out so you, if a wind's blowing from let's say the north and it'll blow from the north and it'll blow through the hive take the heat with it and blow out through the south so you, you don't really want to do that and if you are painting um, if you paint the top and bottom make sure that you have something to hang it from so that you're not setting the recently painted stuff on top of another box because um, I've had boxes stick together and when you try and pry them apart it rips apart some of the wood that you uh, <laughs> desperately need on the boxes and it comes off with the other box so it's something that you have to watch out for anyways um, you're going to be wanting to in April early April you're going to be wanting to treat your boxes because uh, usually the weather outside although it'll reach uh, freezing some days other days it's you know a plus 10 Celsius um, and so you're able to do some of the treatments of the high bodies and uh, you want to do that. Also, you'll want to go through and do uh, inventory of all of your hive components that you have, bottom boards, top boards, uh, hive bodies, if you've decided to go with the normal Langstroth deep and the normal Langstroth medium as your hive body types, you'll need to go through and count them and figure out, okay, so if I'm doing a two brood chamber bottom and, uh, you know, two honey box medium um, boxes, do I have enough for two and two, or am I going to have to go to one and two, or, or what, you know, how many boxes, how many high boxes, things do I have? Now, if you've streamlined everything and you've decided to go with all deeps, or if you streamlined it and decided to go with all mediums, you're going to be a lot happier, but you still have to figure out, okay, I'm getting in this many swarm packs, I'm going to have to have a, a brood chamber and two supers, and so this is what I need, or, um, you know, if I'm doing that, do I have uh, um, queen, oh, and the word is dropping away from me here um the uh the screens that keep the queen down in the bottom i'm just forgetting the name of it right now but <laughs> really late um and uh do you do i have enough of those queen stopping screens to put on every single hive um you'll need to check to see if you have enough nukes if you're going to be putting nukes into play um, if you're going to be uh, splitting your hives into like three nukes, um, the ones that made it through the winter into three nukes, and, and if you're going to have that, you know, is it going to work? 
you're going to have to decide how you're going to be feeding your bees, whether it's going to be internal feed or ex external feed. Um, you're going to need to know whether or not you are going to be, um, how, how you're doing your pest control. So do you have your kill boxes out? And by kill boxes, if you haven't heard any of my former podcasts, uh, a kill box is just a box that sits underneath your hive kind of like a hive stand or it sits to the side of all your hives and it has a little mouse hole in it front and back type of thing and inside that kill box it's got a lid top lid and a bottom um, and you open up the top lid and inside when you look in there there are five or six mouse traps that are uh, stuck to the bottom of that that are set and baited and then you also have in the corners some of those little packs of uh, rodent uh, killer uh, rodent poison um, so that you know you trap as many mice as you can trap and then whatever's left over can walk over their dead companions and get some of that nice uh, poison and, and munch on it and, and die because <laughs> we really hate mice we really hate rats we want to get rid of all those things in our apiaries so that's what we're doing um, so if you have kill boxes you'll have to you know set them up you'll have to clear them out of all the dead <laughs> From the last winter, you'll have to uh, rebate them, reset them, put new packages of poison in there, and uh, decide whether or not you're putting them underneath the, the hives or if you're putting them to the side of the hives or what you're doing with them. But you'll need to get that ready as well. Um, you're going to need to get uh, um, whatever you're doing for um candy boards in the spring um a lot of times in the spring it's too cold to actually have um open feeding or in the hive feeding because the the liquids you know are usually placed towards the outside of the hive not not towards the brood nest they're placed towards the outside of the hives and a lot of times they absorb a lot of the coolness from the outside so if the bees go down and drink from it and it's anything uh, uh, cooler than like a minus five or I mean a plus five Celsius um, they will actually get too cold and um, freeze and fall in the in the drink there so um, you want to make sure that you are above a certain temperature before you're liquid feeding inside the hive but if not and you've you're going to spring and you've got a few hives that are a little bit weak you make a candy board which is one of the top the top boards with the little rim and the bee escape on it um, you can put in a little bit of uh, chicken wire in there staple it down scrunch that chicken wire down and make sure that it doesn't pop up above that uh, frame um, that goes around the the inner portion of that flip it upside down you're gonna make up some uh, candy which is sugar that you have um, put in hot water and you've stirred it and stirred it and stirred it and then you pour more sugar in until it gets to the point where it's not um, absorbing into the the liquid anymore and you pour a little bit more in past that point and then you take it and you stir it so that it's really good and thick and soupy about the the soupiness of um, um, a, a very liquid porridge <laughs> and then you take that and just pour it into the the um, the top 
that that lid that you've prepared with chicken wire um, you want to tape off the bee escape um, a lot of times what I will do is I'll put uh, a little piece of cardboard or something and tape that in the bee escape so that the bee escape still works for a ventilation port however um, um, you, and it doesn't get covered up by the sugar uh, candy and then you leave those boards on your countertop or outside you leave those boards until they solidify and it uh, a lot of the water evaporates from it and it solidifies and then once it's solid candy you take that and you unwrap your hives throw the candy board on top put the lid back on wrap your hives back up and that way they have a little bit of yum yum for the springtime when they might run out of some of their honey so you need your candy boards ready all right and um, then you'll start doing uh, your inspections and verifying your losses and you need to record this because the department of making you sad wants to know how many that you've lost during the winter it's important for their little uh, vital statistics and of course they won't share with you once you share with them they won't share with you uh, anything current a lot of times they'll send you information from five years ago so they're not interested in sharing um, unless you pay them a little bit of money and then they'll give you a little bit of a, a business prospectus but uh, yeah unless you're paying them money they won't share what they've gleaned from you and from other beekeepers so you do need to verify your losses and write them down um, it's very easy to forget how many hives actually pulled it through the winter um, if you're a smaller beekeeper and you know um, and you had three hives and you lost two you're not going to be confused about how many freaking hives you lost and when uh, the department of making you sad says how many hives did you lose you're definitely going to know right but if you have like 10 or 15 hives and and uh, eight pull through and and you're like oh crap was it eight or was it 10 I can't remember because right after this you're going to start splitting and you're going to have more hives and then you know what you're doing with and so you know and then you lose some of those and and you just got to keep your stats trust me on this one um, all right and so you're going to do a, a mite test you're going to monitor mites and treat for tracheal mites if it's indicated or you're going to look for um, <laughs> Varroa mites as well. Um, uh, this doesn't apply to us hobby beekeepers here in Alberta. It might apply to you where you're from, um, but here in Alberta it doesn't apply to the hobby beekeepers. Applying for crop insurance. So a lot of people will will firm up their losses, they'll figure out what they need, um, and if they had uh, um, bee insurance that, that protects B losses, um, then they'll they'll put in a, a, a request for payment out on that. But as soon as you figure out how many hives you're going into the season with, you're going to apply for crop insurance. And what the crop insurance is is essentially if you've made a contract with somebody to put out um, 20 55 gallon drums of of honey, and you put you pay your insurance. Um, and you say I'm going to be putting out 55 gallons and then you hit drought 
and your bees kind of dwindle and they don't do really good and you put out maybe 30 drums of honey um, and then you have to come up with the difference then you put in for your insurance and you say hey can you pay for the difference they'll pay you one-third of what you ask for because <laughs> they're assholes and they're out to make some money but uh, they'll pay you one-third of what you uh, paid for and then and then tell you to be happy about it and then you have to come up with two-thirds of the money and a supplier so you you need to line up a supplier just in case you know and that's where friend beekeepers come in but uh yeah you'll have to line up a supplier and then you pay two-thirds and the insurance company pays one-third and then you can meet your quota but yeah that's that's a rough deal um you are going to be um, getting ready to feed syrup you're going to be putting patties on the hives and if you have to and the mite count is high or the trachea mites are there or your um, you got some uh, bee diarrhea going on the front of the hive then you're going to want to medicate um, if that's your in in your business plan um, if not, you're going to start doing some more of the more uh, granola things, you know, um, utilizing uh, um, rhubarb leaves, utilizing some of the less um, invasive methods for treatment. But uh, whatever you do, you're going to be medicating, whether it's less invasive or granola, or if you're going to go uh, the full... Um, pharmaceutical and and go buy some of the that uh, uh, selective pesticide and, and treat for that I just got to say bad things about that stuff but anyways um, you're going to um, decide when to unwrap your wintered hives later is usually better but some wrap styles make hive inspections difficult and have to come off only to go back on a little bit later um, um, a good thing to do is to check with your farmer's almanac and see whether or not you're going to be having late spring snows. Um, another good thing to check is the weather guessers. They're half right half of the time, so they're usually only a quarter right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, check with the weather guessers. See if they expect to have... Uh, uh, a late snow and you know check with that stupid ass groundhog and see what they say as well um, pay attention to your past uh, records in your beekeeping journal um, you know if you realize that uh, round about uh, uh, the long weekend in in may um, you usually have a, a quick little snow with a minus 10 type drop in the weather then you're going to need to rewrap your hives if you expect that you're going to be doing okay then maybe just putting a, a fence around your hives and and making it so the wind doesn't get so bad might actually work for you um, also you need to know that weather um, ahead of time for when you're doing splits you don't want super cold uh, weather during splitting <laughs> And if you do, um, there are some ways that you can get around it, um, such as putting in a queen excluder. There it is. <laughs> um, and then putting your splits on top of another hive. Um, and uh, a lot, one of the tricks that 
people do is they'll put a queen excluder, they'll put a hive body, they'll put a queen excluder, and then they'll put their nukes on top of that. So then the heat rises up from the large hive and goes up into the nukes and keeps them a little bit warmer. And the bees will travel back and forth and equalize out. So um, that's another thing that you can do to, if, if it's gonna be a little chillier after you do your splits. <clears throat> um, you're gonna clean out dead outs. So you're gonna do clean them out and do an autopsy on them. So um, pull pull your dead outs apart. Um, you're going to watch for mold hazards, and you're also going to uh, do things on a chillier day to prevent robbing. You're gonna scrape and sort and make up new brood chambers. You're gonna um, harvest the excess honey and play communist and go give them to the the bees that actually survived <laughs> and you're also going to place some of those excess honey super or honey frames that that didn't get eaten into your nukes that you're going to be making remember that just keep it in mind um, and you're going to get your uh, nucleus hives ready for when you're installing the packages. Some people install packages into nucleus hives. Some people install packages into full-size hives. It's all up to your theory of beekeeping and what you think is more appropriate and your weather. If it's warmer where you are during the time that you're doing this, it's a little more forgiving to have a larger space. But if you have... Uh, cold ass night times like we do up here in Canada and Alberta you're going to want to make sure that you install it in uh, a nucleus hive and then possibly even on top of a larger hive that made it through the winter so there you go um, feed protein and or syrup and medicate each as necessary so you're going to do um, you can either do a protein sprinkle so you get the 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 B protein in a, in a powder and you kind of just sprinkle it over the the tops of the frames and some goes down to the bottom but the bees will come and they'll they'll pick it all up and they'll go mm, this is good and then they'll start making bee bread out of it um, and you can do it that way or you can get it in protein patty types and you put the patties on top of the frames and away you go so that's another thing that you can do you're going to make room for um, brood hatches, add space, uh, supers or brood box as required. So as, as your brood chamber starts expanding and getting bigger and bigger, you're gonna move your queen excluder up and you're gonna put another box in. Now it depends on if you wanna utilize the Warray method and lift up your brood box put in a fresh brood box underneath with frames and everything put the original brood box on top of that and the queen will build down as they fill wax into that bottom brood box or you can super it by putting it on top and then you have the two brood boxes and they'll start waxing up and then they'll um, then the queen will start moving into the new wax as well and then going all the way around the hive and you'll end up with a uh, a basketball size um, uh, brood area um, and it'll just expand to fill up that whole entire two boxes um, you'll also have to 
work with supering. Um, if you have a flow on and you want to super and put a few more boxes of honey on, just remember excess uh, area means they have to heat things a whole bunch more and that means less bees going out to do the harvesting. So just remember that. Expect, expect flows from willows crocuses dandelions etc so you're going to be looking for your first flowers it's very important that you have your first flowers uh, written down in your uh, beekeeping notebook so that you can start planning the dates of when the flows are going to start and cross-reference those with the temperatures because if the temperature is not right the flow is not going to start also you you need to know the precipitation so a good thing to do your homework go find out the precipitation for that uh, wintertime snowfall or rainfall whichever area that you're in and you need to know whether or not you're going to be having uh, a big bloom or or a little bloom because there was hardly any winter snow or winter rain um, so that's stuff that you need to know as well Now is the time also to start considering uh, raising queens and there are multiple ways of raising queens um, and that's something we'll need to talk about in another, uh, in another podcast but um, there is the method that you uh, um, knock out the bottom of a um, cell and that signals to the, the the bees that that particular one has been selected for a queen and they will start building out a queen cup over top of the laid um, egg and then they'll start treating it like a queen um, other things that you can do are you can do cell punches um, which are uh, metal tubes that you warm up and you you put it over top of a section of um, three to five day old brood and you pop out that piece of wax and you squish the one side of bees up against your frame and you can melt it onto there and have it upside down and when a when a queen is up or when a brood is upside down it is meant to be um, uh, a queen and so they'll they'll go ahead and start making her a queen you can also use um, uh, nicot or uh, I can't remember the other one but you can use uh, little um, cups and you have to to scoop out the larvae and put them in the cups and fill the cups up with a little bit of um, royal jelly and then you hang the cups upside down and they'll start making queens on top of those cups um, it's it, that's something for people who have a little bit more experience with beekeeping um, and uh, usually for the younger people who have a steadier hand um, and you need to plan the population peak for the main flow so you need to know uh, where your hives are and make the projection to see where their peak is going to be. Um, you need to know the breed of your queen so that you can predict a little bit more about when they usually peak um, and uh, it, it'll help you out. So that's a lot of homework that you're going to need to do <laughs> beforehand and figure out. Um, you're going to want to boost or shake out weak colonies. So you uh, 
you might bring brood over from a different colony and put it in the colony that you're working with or you might want to decide that this one colony is really weak and uh, you make those decisions later in the day when everybody's back from uh, uh, going and collecting honey and pollen um, and you decide if it's too weak then you're going to be putting it in with another um, hive or you might uh, be reducing the size of it so you take it from a regular sized um, um, brood chamber and you condense it down to a nucleus hive and uh, you know just make sure that you are making some appropriate decisions with that also you need to equalize and make splits for production for and for the next season so that's a whole entire podcast in and of itself but essentially you're going to at the beginning in april may you're going to go through and you're going to take a look at what every all your bees have and then you're going to play communist and you're going to switch everything around and, and confuse the bees like crazy you're going to add honey to the ones that are honey poor you're going to add pollen to the ones that are pollen poor if you don't have pollen frames yet you're going to be putting pollen patties on top you're going to be equalizing out the amount of bees so if you have a frame of brood you'll that is needed on one hive and you have lots in another hive you'll you'll play communist and switch over and you'll decide that you want to even everything out and that way as it's going forward if you start having problems then you know it's the queen and you know what to do you change that queen out so those are the things that you're going to be doing in april and may and they're tasks that need to be thought out need to plan them get them down on paper and take care of them anyways guys this is all for today Uh, i really appreciate you guys stopping by and uh, we will have another recording here for you presently thank you and if you have any questions or comments please send it to fatbeehoneyranch at gmail.com talk to you later